This is a passage that contains prayer. Prayer could be defined as the process of communicating with God, of sharing with the Lord our, our joys and our sorrows, our fears and pains, our delight and our thanksgiving. And having shared these things, we seek God's response. God's response in how he might act in the world, how he might speak to us, how he might guide us forward. Sometimes prayers are spoken, sometimes silent, perhaps depicted in artistic form, including songs. And of course, sometimes written. And so our passage has this prayer in this letter from Paul to the church in Ephesus, a community that he says that he's heard of, but he actually knows quite well. He spent a number of years there. He knows them. He grew that church. And so as he's saying that he's heard of them, he, he's, he's kind of saying, I've heard that you're continuing. I've heard that you're living in the faith. That you are God's people. And he's sharing that love, that hope that he has for them. He brings his prayer for them. And as we come to the end of the church here with the annual meeting today, a new year beginning with the first Sunday of Advent next week, I think it's good for us to consider what Paul was praying for the church. And hear that perhaps as a prayer for us too. So, Paul is giving thanks for the people. He's heard good things about them. And I hope that people hear good things about us. I hope that when this place is mentioned, It's in a positive way. That's good, isn't it? You know, certainly in the responses after harvest, when the, um, the, the many generous gifts were taken off to the food bank, we, we get praised. We get thanked. We get spoken of. In the different things that have gone on over the past couple of weeks, the relationship with other churches, Compton House service, and that's again, it's positive. It's great to hear that. But like that church in Ephesus, that doesn't mean to say we should necessarily simply be happy with where we are. Paul is not praying that they might be static and that they've reached a pinnacle and that's it. 
far from it. He wants them to grow. He wants them to grow in faith, to grow in understanding, for them to have spiritual enlightenment. And through that, for the church to grow and thrive. Surely that's what we desire. To grow in faith. And to grow as God's people. As he prays, he thinks of these prayers in in three different time scales. The past, the present, and the future. He thinks of their beginning. That at some point, they heard a call to become people of faith. Many are Gentiles. Perhaps it was Paul's own preaching that got them there. That introduced them to the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus. That's probably the most likely thing. Or those that he shared the faith with, then shared it with others. Each one of us will have our own story, our own testimony. It might be of the Christian home with faithful parents, or it might be quite different from that. Maybe we came to faith from a place of suffering. Perhaps it was more out of the blue. Maybe it was like Paul's own road to Damascus experience. Something suddenly struck us and we realized that our life had been wrong and we woke up to it. Whatever the start point, what was it we were all to become? What was it we were called to? And by that, I don't mean are we ministers or elders or musicians or working on the AV team or with the children? What's the common thing through the ages God has called people to be? We are called to be people whose sins are forgiven and who have received the seal of the spirit that marks us as God's for eternity. We're called to be God's holy people. The church, Christ's body, people of faith, of hope, and of love. Whoever we are, if we are part of the church. That's who we're called to be. People of love and hope and faith. We will each have an individual relationship with God. We can come to him with our prayers, with our joys, with our sorrows. We can share that time with him. But at the same time, That relationship is not intended to exist as an an island entire of itself. We are not 
simply a Christian. We're one of a people, a called people, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's people. And so we have this dynamic of, yes, we have a personal relationship that we are called into, but we're also called into the wider sense of being the church, fully in relationship. And when a person comes into membership of a local church, they can make a commitment to that, to one another, that they may worship together and serve together and be accountable to each other. as They seek to act for the benefit of the kingdom rather than oneself. When we talk of church membership, that's kind of really what we're talking about. It's not the right to vote. That comes into it. That's something that we gain. But it's about that accountability that we're willing to declare to one another. That we're part of this people that God calls us to be. And as Paul speaks of call, He doesn't just think of that beginning. He also points out the riches of God's glorious inheritance. In the Old Testament, when inheritance is spoken of, it may often mean a share in the promised land. This is your inheritance. This is where you're going to be. This is where you dwell. Or... It might be earthly wealth that's handed on to the next generation. And that's probably more commonly what we think of the word inheritance, what we may receive from somebody in our family. But Paul here is thinking of a spiritual inheritance, not a physical possession. He's thinking of the gift that comes to us from God at the end. A seat at the heavenly banquet for eternity. This is a privilege. And it comes to us with responsibilities. None of us are by ourselves worthy to enter into glory. None of us by ourselves can do that. And the passages of the last few weeks from Matthew 25 and even before that in Matthew's gospel reminded us that we will be judged and we must be ready. However, if we are faithful followers of the Lord Jesus, there is already a seat reserved at that banqueting table. don't know if it's got one of them little bits of cardboard with your name written on it. But there's a seat there for you. But remember again, this is a banquet. A banquet is not a drive-through burger place, is it? It's not a place where you just rock up to pick up your milkshake your burger, your fries, and drive on. 
it's not where you go in and talk to the maitre d' and get a table for one. That's not a banquet, is it? A banquet involves sitting at the table with other people. And here is the fellowship of all the saints, all those that have gone before us. You are saints if you are God's people. You're made holy and fit to be in that presence. And so you get a seat at the table. But we have to remember heaven is not necessarily what you want it to be. But it's how God intends us all to be in harmony. I went I went to a banquet once. It was in San Francisco with the people that I was working with at the time in my old job. It was a Chinese seafood banquet, right? It had stuff like jellyfish and sea cucumber. It wasn't necessarily to my taste, right? Me and seafood don't really get on that well. And yet it was great. It wasn't what I would choose. It wasn't, ooh, this is heaven. But it gathered people of a common purpose and brought them together and we sat there and we shared together. And it wasn't about the food. It was about the being together. God intends us all to be in harmony. To be together. Differences of opinions. Differences in thought. But gathered together. Because we have this commonality. Of being God's holy people. And he gives us this inheritance. Of being together in harmony. And we can be sure of this inheritance, this peace, this joy, this place of love that we can dwell forever. Because God doesn't break promises. The challenge, though, is for us to be his people. Because we do break promises. We do break trust. We don't always live up to that concept of being the holy people. Paul's prayer takes us from the beginning of our relationship to God, with God, to eternity. But we are in neither of those places right now, unless you've just made a commitment. We live in the in-between We live in the time, 
that is not yet the feast. We do share a common table. We have this. We remember together of God's great promise to us of our salvation. We remember that event and we remember the future. But Paul prays for the believers to know God's power in all its fullness now. This is the power that can do anything. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for the one who sent his son Jesus to be born of Mary a virgin. Nothing is impossible for the one that walked among us and healed and brought life, raising Lazarus from the grave. Nothing in time or space has power over Jesus. He rose victorious over the grave. He defies nature. Science cannot confine him. And we, the church, are called to be his very presence in the world today. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We are a people of power. The holy people set apart from the way of the world but seeing the growth of the kingdom, speaking truth, seeking justice, seeing lives transformed by the goodness of God. And although it is our individual actions that allow things to happen, it is as are people that fullness comes. When we live as God's people with faith and love, we will grow in the sure and certain hope of what God has promised us in Jesus our Saviour. And see that hope reach out and come into others' lives. This is what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. That their eyes of their hearts would be opened. That they would know God's way. And that they would then live it. This would have been what he would pray for us.
Amen.